The pandemic forbearance benefits for, for federally held student loans have been extremely beneficial for all of us. This constant threat of restarting repayment and then extending again and restarting and extending, it, it just adds to the overall uncertainty mm-hmm. and confusion and, you know, what do I do? And I'm not really sure what I should be doing, what I shouldn't be doing. And, and you know, it's been going on for, for more than two years now, right? We have to, you know, just be aware of what's going on, always be kind of knowing what it might look like again and thinking what our budgets would look like if and when we do re-enter repayment. And then also just reviewing our current student loan portfolio so we know exactly what status our loans are in and how we can actually take full advantage of the benefits as long as they last. That is student debt expert and VIN Foundation board member, Dr. Tony Bartels. And this is the VIN Foundation's Veterinary Pulse podcast, special student debt series. I'm Jordan Benchia, Executive Director of the VIN Foundation. Join me and our co-host and VIN Foundation board member, Dr. Matt Holland, as we talk with veterinary colleagues about critical topics and share stories. Stories that connect us as humans, as animals, as a veterinary community. This podcast is made possible by individuals like you who donate to the VIN Foundation. Thank you. Please check the episode notes for bios, links, and information mentioned. Hey there, Tony. Welcome back. Hi, Jordan. Thanks for having me again. (laughs) Again. We're back again. Yeah, again. We're back again with VIN Foundation board member and student debt expert, Dr. Tony Bartels, to talk about what else? The latest in student loans. (laughs) On April 6th, the Department of Education extended the loan pause payment again through August 31st, 2022. And for those that might have been hiding under a rock since COVID, um, this pause (laughs) includes the following measures for eligible loans. So suspension of loan payments, 0% interest rate, and stops collections on defaulted loans. Tony, you know, we're back here again, and there's just more information as always. And I can only imagine, you know, you're living and breathing this and there's confusion. I can only imagine what this is like for our colleagues out there who are probably really confused. So let's just dive right in. Where do we start? Yeah, it's, it's um, you know, while the, the pandemic forbearance benefits for, for federally held student loans have been extremely beneficial for all of us, this, this constant kind of, you know, threat of restarting repayment and then extending again and restarting and extending, it, it just adds to the overall uncertainty mm-hmm. and confusion and you know what do i do and i'm not really sure what i should be doing what i shouldn't be doing and and you know it's been going on for for more than two years now right so i, I i've kind of lost track of how, what the official count of how many times this has been extended i've heard anywhere between right. six and seven at this point <laughs> you know it may even get extended again right so you know right. we, we uh we have to you know just be aware of what's going on um always be kind of knowing what it might look like again and thinking what our budgets would look like if and when we do re-enter repayment. And then also kind of just reviewing our current student loan portfolio so we know exactly what status our loans are in and how we can actually take full advantage of the benefits 
as long as they last. And there's going to be benefits that extend even beyond when we officially re-enter repayment. And that's the part that is, I think, probably the trickiest. Everybody really focuses on, okay, well, what's the next end date for the suspension? Mm -hmm. And we Mm -hmm. know the next end date, it's August 31st, 2022. And if it expires on time, this time around, then you know we'll all re-enter repayment afterwards. And, and some of us don't even know what that's going to look like yet. But along with that deadline, there are extensions to a lot of other things that are associated with student loans, right? So we, we talk a lot about income-driven repayment plans because they tend to be very beneficial for veterinarians and anyone with a student debt-to-income ratio that's, that's greater than one. Uh, but typically, we have to provide annual documentation of our income and we haven't had to do that Mm -hmm. and and this has probably been one of the largest sources of confusion uh, for those of us that entered the pandemic forbearance using an income-driven plan or applied for an income-driven plan during the pandemic forbearance is when do i have to provide my documentation next and you know by all accounts that has been pushed to at least march of 2023 and for many of us it's probably beyond that right so even if the the benefits end August 31st, we would roll into repayment under the same monthly payment we entered during mm-hmm. the pandemic forbearance, or if we had our payment adjusted for any reason during the pandemic forbearance, it would enter that monthly payment and we wouldn't have to provide a documentation again until at least March of 2023, which is, which is the current date, which also can move if we get another extension. Right. And it seems like a lot of colleagues are just, that's one of the main questions we get in our webinars and, you know, different conversations that we're having are, how do I submit my income? How do I submit my income? Where can I do that? Where can I do that? But on the flip side, we've heard of some people submitting their income and then their payment turns out to be higher, right? Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's unfortunate, right? I think some, um, you know, in the very, I think the very beginning and, and generally the the posture of the loan servicers through this is if you're going to send income documentation and it's not going to result in a lower monthly payment, they're they're not going to process it. But if you keep sending it to them, they may, <laughs> re- they may recalculate your payment and you may not like the for profit companies, right? Well, right, but I don't think you know they don't necessarily get paid based on what right, your right, right. payment is, right? So it's it's you know you don't want to submit the income documentation if you don't have to. And particularly if that income documentation is going to result in a higher monthly payment than you had previously. Right. So this is, this is where it pays to be smart about, you know, what status are your loans currently in? What repayment plan are they in? What was the minimum monthly payment or what will the minimum monthly payment be when we come out of the pandemic forbearance? And if you were to provide additional income documentation at this moment, what would that monthly payment be, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think a lot, of our, a lot of our colleagues find this to be mysterious and they just rely on the loan servicer to tell them what that monthly payment should be. But you should really do that calculation ahead of time. I do that every time I submit income documentation to my loan servicer. Now I haven't had to do that for more than two years now, but I, I do that calculation ahead of time so I know exactly what to expect as the result. And if they tell me something different, then we're gonna have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Right, so mm-hmm. you you should know what that payment is going to be going in, and it's a really simple equation, 
right? So the discretionary income calculation takes your taxable income, it subtracts off 150% of the federal poverty guidelines for your family size and where you live in the US, right? And if you don't wanna do that math yourself, we've got that calculated out in a variety of blog posts on the vinfoundation.org website, um, or you can use the VIN Foundation Student Loan Repayment Simulator and you put your taxable income in there, your family size, your tax filing status, your spouse's income, and it'll show you what your payment should be for this year, right? And if your loan servicer is calculating something different, then then there needs to be a discussion on why that is. Mm-hmm. And so since you mentioned, you know, taxable income, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention yeah. the fact that taxes were due yesterday. So, right. <laughs> and we regularly get people saying, you know, how does this impact what I file from a tax perspective and what if I don't need to file taxes, should I still file taxes? And so there seems to be a lot of confusion around that as well. Yeah. So this, this gets really into the weeds, but can also, um, help really maximize these pandemic student loan benefits, right? So there's a lot mm-hmm. of us out there that benefit from filing our taxes separately once we're married to have a lower student loan payment, right? Oftentimes, mm-hmm. because we're dealing with some pretty big student debt numbers, if we can separate our income from our spouse using a plan like income-based repayment or pay-as-you-earn by filing our taxes separately and having our payment based only on our income, um, we can save more money, right? We may pay a little more in taxes, but we save more in our student loans, so it justifies doing that. The pandemic forbearance shut off all of our student loan payments, right? So we haven't had to make any payments. So that incentive to file your taxes separately, specifically for student loan purposes, has been temporarily removed, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't have to make a payment, and the next time I provide income and documentation isn't until 2023 sometime, right, then I can safely file my taxes jointly for this 2021 tax filing year. And even if I wanted to go back and amend my tax filing for the 2020 year, Mm -hmm. right, to receive the joint tax filing benefits, because it's not going to adversely impact my student loan payment, because the payments are shut off. So you can use these, this information to your advantage, and if you want to take that additional step, you know, I have have worked with some colleagues who have, you know, amended uh, previous tax returns that they filed separately from their spouse to to reflect a, a joint filing status and, and have gotten a refund for a prior year. Now, I think you can only go back maybe three years in the past to do that, but you don't need mm, to go too mm-hmm. far back, right? Because the pandemic forbearance benefits has, have, have been in place for right. over two years. But if you wanted to and, and you were so inclined or, you know, you could work, you work with an accountant that wants to help you do that, you know, it, it, it could be worth your worth your while, right? You could get, you know, thousands of dollars back from, um, from the IRS just by changing your tax filing status. Right. And that's one of those things that there's so much confusion around. And I think, you know, we keep hearing from borrowers and colleagues, like they feel like they've got to do something, right? Like they, they keep hearing like this has been extended, this has been extended, but I think some of those, some of them are starting to get pretty nervous. Right. And so they're like, what should I do? What should I do? I've got to do something. I've got to do something. And you know, submitting the income update, maybe not the best idea if that's going to increase your payment. Um, But there are a lot of things that you can do. And you listed a couple of them earlier. And as always, of course, everything that Tony's talking about, the links and everything will be in the episode notes. But let's sort of look at sort of like a bloated list of what you recommend if somebody's looking at their loans. What is that overall view? Yeah, the first thing I would would encourage everyone to do is a 
is their physical exam, right? Their annual mm -hmm. physical exam okay. of their student loans, right? So before you, you know, take the next step and call your loan servicer or, you know, officially do anything with your student loans, just do a physical exam, right? So just like we do with our patients to assess what's going on, do the your annual physical exam on your student loans. So that entails obtaining your student aid data file from studentaid.gov. And we have a video on the uh, VIN Foundation My Student Loans page on how you can find that um, that information. But everybody who has federal student loans has a detailed federal student aid data file that contains all of the hairy borrowing history that you have with the Department of Education. And that is going to tell you everything you need to know, right? So, but. Nobody wants to read the information that's in that file. So in the VIN Foundation Student Debt Center, we built some tools that can help summarize that information and show it to you in a more uh, favorable fashion, right? It also is, it serves as a way to um, double check your loan servicers, right? So what your mm -hmm. loan servicers are telling you, what information you're seeing in your loan servicer portal, that student aid data file is serves as kind of a um, independent check on, on what your loan servicer is telling you. And once I upload that file, I can, I, there's a lot of valuable information in there, right? I'm not only going to see my balance and, you know, any unpaid interest in there, but I can also see what repayment plan are they listing for me, right? If I was using a repayment plan, like an income driven plan prior to the pandemic forbearance starting, or if I applied for one during the pandemic forbearance period, I'm going to see that repayment plan name listed in my loan details, right? If I if I haven't officially chosen a repayment plan, I may just see forbearance listed, right? To indicate that I'm in this pandemic forbearance period. Mm -hmm. That's that's a little unsatisfying, right? If, right. If, <laughs> if, if you think you're in a repayment plan and it says forbearance, well, that, that would trigger to me, well, now I might want to make a phone call or reach out to my loan servicer to say, hey, what, what repayment plan do you officially have me in, mm -hmm. right? Because if I don't see a repayment plan listed there, and particularly if I don't see an income-driven repayment plan listed there, then, you know, maybe you haven't selected a plan, right? Or you're in a standard 10-year plan um, or, you know, some other repayment plan that, that uh, maybe is not counting towards forgiveness. You'll also see in that uh, My Student Loan Summary, the income-driven repayment eligibility tab, right? So we've got some algorithms that will help determine which repayment options you're able to use. And you could choose any plan that you want, right? But the income-driven plans have some pretty goofy qualification requirements based on your loan types and when you started borrowing. I do see a lot of people that are using plans um, that may not be the most beneficial plan for them. So, you know, mm -hmm. check in to see, you know, what plan am I listed in? You know, do I see income-based repayment there? Am I actually eligible for pay-as-you-earn? I'm using revised pay-as-you-earn, right? So I, that's the things that I'm looking for. I mean, I, I, I first am looking to see if someone is eligible to use pay-as-you-earn because generally speaking, that tends to be one of the most beneficial of all of the federal student loan repayment plans and particularly the most beneficial of the income-driven repayment plans. But I see a lot of people that are eligible for that not using it, right? So I'm often using, I'm looking at that income-driven repayment eligibility tab. Are they eligible for pay? Are they actually using pay-as-you-earn? If not, why not? I'll also see anniversary dates in there, right? So when you mm -hmm. use an income-driven repayment plan, you'll have an anniversary date. And that anniversary date is when you're normally required to provide that updated income documentation so you can have your payment recalculated. 
During this pandemic forbearance period, there is no requirement for you to provide annual income documentation unless your income has decreased. Right? If your income has decreased, they'll recalculate your payment lower to reflect that lower income that you're currently earning. Right? Because your anniversary date is going to show you when you're next due to renew. Now, we also know from the pandemic forbearance details that no one is required to renew before March 20th, or I'm sorry, before March of 2023. Okay. Right? So if you see an anniversary date in your file that's between now and March of 2023, you can ignore it. Right, you won't be required to provide doc documentation until at least March 2023, but that date that is listed there is an indication that your new renewal date will probably be one year from the date that's listed in there now. Right, so let's say that your renewal date in there is listed as November of 2022. Right, mm -hmm. so that's between now and March of 2023. We know that you won't have to renew in November. No one is going to have to renew until March of 2023. But that renewal date that's in there that says November of 2022 indicates that your next renewal date will probably be November of 2023, right? Under okay. the current mm -hmm. guidance. So that, that is a helpful indicator of knowing when your next due to renew which again is extremely beneficial, right? If I'm a, you know, a recent grad and my recent tax returns have not been very robust because I haven't had a full year of income documented yet and I still have a $0 monthly payment under a plan like pay as you earn or something really low because I did an internship or something, there's a good chance that that payment's going to extend well into 2023, if not farther, right? And that tends to be more beneficial in terms of helping you with your cash flow to do other things like working on your financial wellness, building emergency funds, saving for mm -hmm. retirement, saving for the down payment on a home, starting a family, all of these other things that people are generally postponing because they feel like their student debt is, you know, needs to take uh, first first seat. And we've heard about some colleagues who have gone ahead and made payments during this time because they just felt, oh my gosh, I feel like I should, I should be paying something, right? Mm -hmm. So, but we also know that, you know, if they, A, they don't have to be making payments. <laughs> so if they have made payments, what are their options? Yeah, so that, I mean, the, the, the choice, the decision of whether or not to make payments is, is complicated. Um, from a financial standpoint, you know, while it could be beneficial for you to make payments, it doesn't necessarily make sense to make payments regularly during the pandemic forbearance period, right? So there's a couple of different ways that you can approach this. If your debt to income ratio is less than one and it's quite likely that you're going to pay your student loan balance off before reaching any kind of forgiveness, uh, then it can make sense for you to make some additional payments during this pandemic forbearance period, right? But I wouldn't encourage anyone to make regular monthly payments until we know when this is actually going to end, mm -hmm. right? So the payments that you might be making towards your student loans during the pandemic forbearance have the exact same impact as if you were to take all of that money, put it into some other account that's maybe earning interest and make one lump sum payment the day before the pandemic forbearance period ends, right? So if I were yeah. in a position to benefit from making payments, I would hold off and make that payment at, on the last possible day of the actual pandemic forbearance period, right? And we don't know exactly when that's going to be. Right now, it's supposed to be August 31st, so maybe I'll make that <laughs> lump payment on August 30th if that actually comes 
to be right if there's not another extension right exactly but it Mm -hmm. also provides me an opportunity to work on my budget maximize all of those other critical areas of my financial wellness that i should be focusing on ahead of my student loans and if i get to that point and still have some extra money on hand that makes sense for me to put towards some of my student loans while the interest rates are all zero then then i would do so that day before the pandemic forbearance period ends now, for those of you that are, have a, a debt to income ratio that's greater than one, or you highly and it, it's highly likely that you will hit student loan forgiveness, it doesn't make sense to make any payments above what is required. Right. So the pandemic forbearance period is extremely beneficial for those of us that are on track to hit student loan forgiveness. So there is no good financial reason to make an additional monthly payment towards your student loans. If you have, the good news is that you can request a refund of any payments that you've made during the pandemic forbearance period. So any payment that you've made towards your federal student loans between March 13th, 2020, and whenever the pandemic forbearance period ends, you can request a refund of those payments. You have to do that through your loan servicer, right? So you have to contact your loan servicer, identify the payment amount that you've made that falls within that calendar window and request a refund of those payments. But I would do that if you have made Right. Payments. Yeah, if you're able to get that money back. Yeah, and you can redirect those funds to those other more critical areas of your financial wellness. Okay, so another thing that we're hearing from colleagues is it's kind of the Wild West out there right now <laughs> in terms of what we're hearing and <laughs> the information. But we're hearing some choosing consolidation. Can you help sort of you know, shine some light on that? Yeah, and this is, this is where um, it has been particularly messy for those of you that have graduated into the pandemic forbearance benefits, right? Mm So, um, you know, 2019, if you did a internship maybe or residency and deferred your student loans or 2020, 2021, now 2022, we in this in the new grad playbook webinar that we do for uh, graduating classes, and we'll be doing another one of those probably at about a month from now. So sometime mm-hmm. in mid-May, um, mm-hmm. we'll do a new grad student loan p- playbook: what you should do with your student loans to get started in repayment. And we often talk about the benefits of using a federal direct consolidation loan as soon as you can after graduation. The timing of that is critical, right? So the reason why we recommend that is because your veterinary school loans have grace periods, right? And your grace periods don't really count towards anything useful, right? They don't count towards forgiveness. Um, You know, when the pandemic forbearance benefits are not in place, you're still accruing interest, which will then eventually get added to your principal. So the grace periods are generally not very beneficial um, when it comes to your federal student loans. So the only way to end that grace period early is through a federal direct consolidation loan. So even if you have all direct loans um, and you technically don't need to consolidate to be eligible to make other loans eligible for a repayment plan like pay-as-you-earn or revised pay-as-you-earn, I still encourage people to consolidate their loans during their grace period immediately after they graduate so they can officially end that grace period, get into an income-driven repayment plan, get the clock ticking officially on forgiveness, Mm -hmm. and if they do that uh, immediately after they graduate, they can assure a $0 payment or a very low payment for the first 12 months of repayment, right? So the way the income-driven plans work is you have to provide income documentation when you first apply for them. 
if you file a tax return in your last year of veterinary school, most of you are not going to have a very robust income. So that will assure that you have income documentation that will result in a very low or $0 payment for the first 12 months of repayment. Right. And if you end up hitting forgiveness, all of that stuff will be super beneficial for you. Right. And even if you don't end up hitting forgiveness, that buffer of having a very low payment due in that first 12 months will really help you get started with your overall financial wellness plan. Right. So there's a ton of huge benefits to consolidating immediately after you graduate. Now, the problem arises if you attended one of those new grad webinars, playbook webinars, and we told you that you should consolidate your loans and maybe you didn't do that and it's now two years later and you're still in the pandemic forbearance and you haven't officially chosen a repayment plan, now is not a good time to consolidate, mm -hmm. right? So the way that the student loan system is set up is if you do not choose a repayment plan after your grace period expires, you are technically in the standard 10-year plan payment, right? It's the default repayment plan that all of our loans go into if you don't choose something different. Again, technically, a standard 10-year plan payment will count towards forgiveness under income-driven repayment plans. Now, I haven't seen any guidance or any language around this yet because it, this is all pretty, you know, new territory for everyone. Uh, but I hope and expect that those of you that haven't chosen a repayment plan after graduating into the pandemic forbearance period will technically be in that standard 10-year plan payment six months after your grace period expired. And that time will count towards forgiveness once we get to something that resembles normal repayment again. Mm -hmm. If you were to consolidate now, say you graduated in 2020, right, you would lose any chance of having that standard 10-year plan payment time count towards forgiveness because consolidation physically replaces your old loans with a new one so all of that prior history would be erased as well right so consolidation timing is extremely important it's best done immediately or as close to graduation as possible mm -hmm. uh, but if it's been a while, particularly six months since graduation, then you may really want to consider if consolidation makes sense for you at this point. It still can, right? Mm -hmm. Particularly if you have uh, multiple loan types that might not be eligible for income-driven repayment and you see yourself hitting forgiveness or working towards public service loan forgiveness, it can still make sense to consolidate. Uh, but at that point, it's probably a, you want to you know, reach out for some help on how exactly to consolidate because it might make sense to do more of a partial consolidation than a consolidation of all your loans to preserve any forgiveness time that you may have already earned. So you mentioned how we had a webinar and we suggested consolidation and, you know, as we talk about things change and along those same lines, we did a webinar on April 6th and since then, things have changed or updated. <laughs> so, you know, we will have that link for that webinar and that webinar recording in the description, the episode notes. But Tony, what aspects of that do you want to talk to in terms of where things have shifted since then and the new information we've received? Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I'm super excited to do this particular podcast, right? Because it gives us an opportunity to talk about the things we've learned just mm -hmm. since we did the webinar a couple of weeks ago, right? So we did the webinar the same day the announcement was made that 
the pandemic forbearance benefits were going to be extended through August of 2022, right? But we didn't yet know all of the ancillary details about the renewal dates and um, when, um, you know, how long you could request a refund. And there's even a way for you to verbally, or not verbally, but um, self-report your income, mm-hmm. right? And you can do that through studentaid.gov. That that was supposed to have ended uh, at the end of this uh, July, but has since been extended through February. So uh, if you do have to provide income documentation to your loan servicer, and maybe you don't have a tax return on hand or a pay stub is not a very good representation of your income, you can actually self-report what that income should be, which is which is extremely beneficial, right? The, the prior to that option, you either had to go through your loan servicer and you know all of the problems that arise that way or use a tax return, which sometimes isn't the best kind of documentation for everybody to use. So the self-reporting uh, feature of income is extremely beneficial as well. And that is another date that we learned um, since April 6th. And that uh, is has been extended through February of, of 2023. Great. Okay. So colleagues, where can they go for updates? They can go to the website. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll make sure that they can also um, sign up for emails. Where else would, would you suggest they go? Yes, yeah, studentaid.gov is a great place to go. Um, that's you know right on the web page, on the homepage there. They have the um, the updated information on the pandemic forbearance extension. It talks in detail about the renewal certification guidelines and 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 all of that information that we covered here. It's also where you're going to find your student aid data file. So you can do that that student loan physical exam that we talked about. But I would really encourage you to to take that information over to the VIN Foundation Student Debt Center. It's publicly mm-hmm. available. Anybody can use that. Everybody does use that. Um, <laughs> and, and it's also where our veterinary colleagues can get personalized assistance for uh, for their student loans, right? So if you're still right. just really struggling, not sure how to make sense of what your loan servicer is telling you or what you should do, uh, if you're logged in while using the Student Debt Center, there's a link to the Student Debt Message Board area where we provide personalized assistance to help you work through those uh, those details. You can even post anonymously there. You get the answers that you need, and the rest of the community gets to learn from that experience as well. Yep, that's a great resource. Anything else that you feel our listeners need to know about this news before we sign off of this episode? And I'm sure we'll be back very soon with more. (laughs) Right. We'll stay on your toes. Ask a lot of questions. Um, You know, sometimes doing nothing is the best course of action. And in in this pandemic forbearance benefits for your student loans, it's it generally is for a lot of us. but you know, do that physical exam, make sure you understand everything that you're seeing in there, because this is also a great time to try to correct some of that um, stuff that may not be exactly what you expected while there's no interest accruing. There's mm-hmm. no, you know, it, this is a great, really a great time to kind of fix anything that maybe you should have done and haven't gotten around to doing yet. So uh, take advantage of this time, make sure you're maximizing those benefits. Um, and also focusing on your overall financial wellness, right? So being prepared and, and uh, you know, for what student loans are going to look like in our budget again, but also making sure that we're looking for opportunities to build our overall wealth uh, while we don't have to make these these student loan payments. Mm-hmm. I think that's great advice. Thank you so much, Tony, for being with us again. I'm sure our colleagues are finding this very helpful. 
And we appreciate it. Thanks so much, Tony. Yeah, thank you again for having me. And then we'll keep you posted on anything that uh, changes. Yeah, I'm sure we'll be back soon. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Veterinary Pulse. Please check the episode notes for additional information referenced in the podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please follow, subscribe, and share review. We welcome feedback and hope you will tune in again. You can find out more about the VIN Foundation through our website, vinfoundation.org, and our social media channels. Thank you for being here. Be well.